All right, purposely offside here. Welcome everyone to another edition of the show. Anthony here alongside Brian G, Sans plug guy today, and I have a feeling he's going to regret not being here in studio with us today. Probably a sick day because of how the Leafs have been doing, but uh, shout out to his dad. It's his dad's birthday. Yeah, happy birthday. Happy about that. Um, Leafs have clearly been struggling of late, uh, not living up to their expectations, but the good news is uh, they should be getting their captain back soon. Speaking of captains, though, we have a captain as our next guest. If you're a fan of Toronto Radio, you'll know exactly who this is. We're proud to have on the one and only legend, Hazy B. Brian Hayes. What's happening? What's up, boys? Hazy B. and the captain. I love it. I have never been introduced like that before, and I know the O-Dog and Noodles would never fuck me up with that kind of praise. So I appreciate it. It's great to be on with you guys. Has the O-Dog finally put on the A? Has he accepted the assistant captaincy yet? Or no, no, refuses to. He, he refuses to. He never will. <laughs> uh, that jersey was tossed on the 401 on his way home that night. <laughs> and uh, it's a shame. But as a captain, I mean, one of these days, I'll pull him aside. I'll give him a little pep talk. And he's going to have to listen because I got the C and there's, there's nothing he can do about it. That's right. I wonder if he could stitch that A on the alumni jacket. I think that'd be a pretty power move. Ooh, man, that would be bold. And uh, I wouldn't put it past him. Uh, he loves that jacket. He loves the alumni box, although I, I'd be lying to you if I said I don't love it as well. I've been lucky enough to be in there a few times with him. And the chicken it's penne. a pretty sweet spot. Oh, yeah, the chicken <laughs> penne pesto, it's my go-to. And I, uh, I look forward to getting back in there, weaseling my way back in there at some point. Good stuff, Brian. Uh, Brian, tell, tell us a little bit about how you got into uh, broadcasting in the first place. Yeah, it was. Um, I was pretty lucky. Uh, it was, I guess, uh, I don't know, 12 years ago now. Um, this was when satellite radio was just getting started. And uh, Sirius and XM, they had not amalgamated yet. So they were two different entities. And uh, the score at the time was an independent company. It's now been bought by Rogers. But they were launching a, uh, a Sirius station called Hardcore Sports Radio. And they were um, just getting started. They were a startup up here. Uh, they were launching a bunch of new new programs, and uh, but they were pretty short-staffed. And I actually knew a guy who was um, involved in it and was kind of the program director at the station. And I just kept asking him, you know, do you think I could come down and check it out? Could I meet with you? And uh, finally, after like a few weeks of me bothering him, he reluctantly said, yeah, come down. Let's meet up. I got down there. I met up with him. I said, you know, is there any chance I could <laughs> basically be an intern? He said, man, we're so raw, we're just getting started. We, we don't even have official interns. Mm-hmm. But I guess if you want to come out, you know, every once in a while, you can come up and hang out. Uh, and I think I left that meeting thinking, okay, this is an opportunity for me to, to come down every day. And I think he left that meeting thinking, hopefully I never see that guy again. Uh, but I showed <laughs> up the next day, and then I showed up the day after that, and I just kept coming out, uh, coming back and coming back and coming back. And it got to a point where it was such a small group, I was just kind of a part of the group. And um, they were launching programming because at that point, XM had bought the rights to the, to the NHL. So they had the NHL rights package, and Sirius wanted to counter with some NHL programming up here. And because I played some hockey growing up, they kind of labeled me as a guy who I guess knew what he was talking about. When it comes it comes to hockey, and they actually launched a new hockey program uh, with Steve Coolius, Al Strachan, Steve Lutzig, Mark Osborne, and I was just so fortunate, so lucky. This is a like once in a lifetime scenario. Um, they offered me to to produce the job. They asked me if I wanted to produce the show, and I naturally took it immediately. And uh, the ball got rolling from there, and I was just really lucky. I was in the right place at the right time. 
I guess I showed some ambition and I got my foot in the door. Good stuff. And I remember, like, I remember listening to you on Leafs lunch and, and no one got me more fired up for a Leaf game than you did. That was, it was great. It's good stuff. And you're on overdrive now. It's, it's one of my favorite shows, Brian's favorite shows. Um, take us through a typical day with the boys on overdrive that we might not see on TV or, or here on radio. Well, we joke a lot about, you know, our own individual routines, but um, there's there's actually a lot of a lot of truth in it. We all get in at, at totally different times. We have a text chain going, which is what connects us. But ninety percent of the time, we're just goofing on each other or goofing on some sporting event or whatever. Uh, very rarely is it actually show prep, but it kind of puts us <laughs> in the mood to get together that afternoon. Um, so I usually get in, you know, around two o'clock maybe, and. Noodles will roll in maybe around 3, 3.15, and, oh, sometimes he'll show up at, at 3.59 and just walk right into the studio. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes he's there earlier. So, really, there isn't a lot of back and forth between the three of us, um, but it's it's just kind of a constant, you know, stream of consciousness. We're all big sports fans. We're all, you know, heavily involved in social media, so we feel like we're, we're kind of tracking things at all times. And we kind of know how to read off each other, and we know – when one guy's got something that's really important to him, okay, let him, let him eat, let him get after it. Uh, if we're in a mood to joke around, it, we joke around. Uh, but during the breaks is, is probably where most people, if you're not in radio, you'd be surprised because uh, the majority of breaks, it's just dead silence um, in the studio because we've been talking so much. Yeah, you know, we, yeah. we just finished like a 20-minute segment where we're, we're ranting and raving and yelling and screaming and goofing around or whatever. <laughs> By the time you hit a break, you're like, that's enough. You know, yeah. so I think people have this assumption that we're always talking, we're always yeah, yeah. you know, pushing the conversation forward and that just doesn't happen. Brian G and us, we're just our show prep is just trying to get these uh the system to work here at the CFMU studio. <laughs> Campus radio that's for always, you. It's always a priority, man. You that's gotta right. make sure the mics work first. That's, that's the first priority in radio. That's right. So we're on McMaster Radio. Uh, Anthony and I are both Mac grads. Um, I reached out to you a little while ago. It was my third year back in uh, October 2014. Um, we met up at a Starbucks, and you were, for, uh, you know, you were gracious enough to give me a half hour of your time. And back then, uh, I went back and listened to it actually uh, a few days ago. And you stated back then that uh, ultimately, long term, everyone has goals. And one of the slots that you eventually wanted to get into was the uh, the four to seven. How important has that been to your career development when you were, you know, back at AM640 or the score uh, and you had your sights set on that four to seven drive? How important is it to you right now to be in that slot? Um, you know, it's very gratifying for sure. I want to thank you again for that $50 McDonald's gift card. I didn't forget about that. <laughs> you remember that, eh? Wow. Oh, I, absolutely. And I didn't share it either. That, that was <laughs> amazing. Boys, the boys got none of those. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's been very very gratifying. I mean, um, you know, I, I I'm not gonna come off as some you know existential d bag here and say you gotta have goals. And I'm telling <laughs> you, kids, you know, you gotta be ambitious and you gotta shoot for the stars. But you know, I think that's life. And if you're into something that you're passionate about, you probably have your eyes set on on something bigger. And um, in in sports radio, it's it's always been afternoon drive and um you know in toronto that was established by bob mccowan for for 30 years um so anyone that that really is in sports media or sports radio anyway that's that's kind of always the goal but you got to chip away at it um you know when i was younger and i was probably more brash and more cocky i was thinking just give me a shot give me a shot you know if i get in there i'm going to be able to 
you know, kill it or crush it. And the reality is, you know, if I got forced into that position seven or eight years ago, I would not have been ready for it. Um, and probably four or five years ago, I'm not sure I would have been ready for it. So it's all about getting your reps in, but keeping your eye on, on the prize, so to speak. And uh, it's it's been great. I've been very fortunate. I mean, TSN has been uh, exceptionally um uh, you know, supportive, and, and they've always been incredible to me in terms of the support, in terms of the promotion, giving me opportunities. Uh, and this was obviously a big one. It's been about three and a half years now since we moved to the afternoon. And uh, when you and I sat down, Brian, I had no idea. I mean, it was just one of those things. It's not like I didn't love doing what I was doing at the time, but, you know, if there's always an opportunity at a bigger audience, which that's just the way it goes with drive time. Um, you, you'd pounce on it if, if you get that opportunity. So it was an adjustment when I first moved or when we first moved, but uh, now I can't, I can't even remember the days of doing other time slots. And if I'm lucky enough, and, uh, we keep, keep rolling along. Hopefully we, we get to do this for a long time. I remember my prof was a huge sports radio fan. He found out that I landed you as a guest, and he gave me 100% right off the bat. I don't even think he, uh, he cared <laughs> what the content I was delivering. He's like, you got Brian Hayes, 100% right there. Awesome. Shout out. Love it. <laughs> um, just quickly. Um, so to me and obviously Anthony and a lot of other listeners, you guys are number one. And a report recently came out that stated that, well, when Primetime Sports was on the air, that you guys had overtaken them as, uh, you know, the number one slot in terms of ratings. Are you one to focus on ratings? Or are you just going to the studio, giving your all for three hours and letting, you know, upper management worry about all of that? Well, it's a reality of the, of the business. I mean, you, you're in it. Um, you're in it to make money. Everyone's in it to make money. It's the business. The, the company wants to make money. Uh, I love doing radio, but um, I also got a family, and I I got to get paid to do radio. So um, it's it's a business, and the ratings factor into that clearly. So it's one of those things where. Uh, I think early in my earlier in my career, I was I was I wouldn't say I was obsessed with them, but I was much more curious, and I wanted to know exactly where I was and where the competition was, and the rest of the station, and where you know the fan was, and AM six forty, and Talk ten ten, and all the big you know talk radio stations in Toronto. Um, and I I don't think like that anymore. It's not something that I ultimately concern myself with because the reality is all we can do uh, is just put on the best show possible. You know, you, you can't control who's going to tune in. Um, all you can do is try to put forth the best product where you believe if people hear you, um, they're going to stick around. And we've been very lucky. You know, we've, we've been very lucky to, to cultivate um, a following and we've, we've got a loyal uh, fan base and listenership. And, you know, the business is, has really changed as well. I mean, when I first got into radio, it was simply radio. Like, that was it. The only thing you concerned yourself with was live radio. Um, if you open up the phones, are people going to call uh, at the end of the month or at the end of a 12-week period? Where are your numbers and, and what, what can the sales team do with them? Now it's, it's radio, TV, web, podcasting. You know, that, that's For how sure. I look at, at our show is, is we're on radio three hours a day. We're on TV three hours a day. You can find every single second of the show podcasted. And if you got the app, if you've got Google Home, if you've got Alexa, if you've got the website, you can find us as well. So there's different areas where you can kind of look at what the audience is, is really built up like. And it's not simply just, you know, the conventional radio rating. So 
that's also kind of changed my my viewpoint of everything. But ultimately, you know, you'd love to, to bat a thousand. Never going to happen. It never has. It never will. You just hope you know people find you and they enjoy it. And as long as you put the the work in and have fun with it and put together a good product, um, chances are that's going to happen for you. You briefly mentioned your sales team putting together something at the, at the end of the month. I'm not going to lie. I listen, like I said, three hours a day. I finally bought a MyPillow not too long ago because <laughs> I kept hearing you guys read that out. I'm like, I got to buy one. So you guys got to me. That's that's radio, man. <laughs> and, and it's funny. We've been doing those those ads for years. And, you know, it's um, that that's an important part of the gig. I mean, I don't have to tell you guys that. I mean, uh, our partners and um, the different clients and the, the the companies that that buy into the station that that's that's imperative you know for us to be on the air we got to supply an audience and you got to sell it and that's uh that's good to hear i hope you use the right promo code <laughs> i did for sure don't worry hazy uses right that's right uh, so i mean over i mean your show is is awesome for for so many reasons it's good information it's entertaining one thing me and Brian like is the heated, the heated debates you guys get in on certain topics and different opinions, whether it's between you and O-Dog or Noodles and O-Dog. Has there ever been a time where it was just completely awkward or heated during a commercial break? Yeah, that's definitely happened. Um, we've been doing this, man, me and, you know, Noodles and I have been together for almost nine years or eight years, eight and a half. And O jumped on, I think, six years ago, maybe. Um, and the three of us are, are, you know, pretty big personalities and uh distinct personalities and um i I think what has helped us through some of the storms and there's always going to be storms in any line of business if you're with someone every single day and you're relying on each other to to get the job done and it's you know it's a it's a pressure-packed business like a lot of different businesses out there it's you've got to supply the goods and um there's always people watching always people listening literally and figuratively so from that standpoint, there's going to be, you know, some disagreements or some blowups or, um, you know, personalities may may clash from time to time. But what's always worked for us um, is we're we're genuinely very close friends. Mm-hmm. So um, it's never been there's never been a situation where it's like, oh, this guy actually doesn't really like that guy, or oh, this is the last straw. I can't put up with it. Yeah, uh, we've never been ever close to anything like that, just because we're really genuinely really you know like the best of friends so i love those two guys um i always have their back they'll always have my back so it, it's never you know it's it's like a it's a blow up and then it's like two minutes later we're like all right we got to go back on let's go yeah exactly start laughing and you keep rolling and you just move on i mean nothing's ever uh, ever lingered ever and we've been doing this for a long time awesome we have a few more questions before you let you get back to game seven of the world series but a lot of our listeners um, listen to you guys as well. And we reached out to a lot of them and, and asked if they have any uh, fan questions. Uh, one of the major questions that came up, or the most popular ones, was explaining how Jerry's percentages started. I can briefly remember, but the second part of that question is, when you interviewed Gary Bettman at the draft not too long ago, was there any animosity there? Did you feel that he knew about the segment? I don't. I can't confirm or deny if he knows about the segment um i feel like he probably does you know i don't know if he would ever admit it he never said anything to us and to be fair to to gary bettman he's been you know gracious enough to come on with us he came on with us at the draft he was on the show i believe last spring 
Um, so it's not like he's saying, hey, I'm not going on with those clowns up in Toronto. Like He's, he's finally coming on. Uh, the genesis of Jerry's percentages, well, it started with O's um, imitation. Like his, he, It all started because O, o one day, I don't know how it came up, we were talking about like the worst moments in your career, and it was more about O and Noodles and you know what they had been through through their career. And O said the worst moment that he could think of in his career was when he and Carolina were in the Cup final and they lost to Detroit. And he said, you know, we did the handshake lines and we were in the back and we were in the dressing room and all you could hear was Gary Bettman saying, Steve Eisenman, come and get your Stanley Cup. <laughs> and, and O did it in the voice of of Gary slash Jerry. So then that became a thing. And when I realized, okay, this guy, he can do a really good kind of impression. And obviously we're, we're joking around. Right. Um, we started doing more and more kind of Batman impersonations. And where it really launched was, was at that, that cup final in Chicago when they had that massive rainstorm and Philip Pitcher, the, the keeper of the cup, didn't get the, the, didn't get the cup to Chicago in time or didn't get it to the arena in time. So we did like a phony voicemail where we, you know, we pretended like we found the voicemail and it was Batman leaving a voicemail for Philip Pritchard. And anyway, that's how the voice really got going. And then O just said, you know, we should do something about like percentages. I don't even remember <laughs> how it happened. And then we're just like, well, why don't we attach this to it? Like, well, and we'll call it Jerry's percentages, <laughs> which is, again, it's so ridiculous. That's and if awesome. you had told me, you know, we've probably been doing it for I don't know, four years or something. If you told me after the first time we did it, we'd still be doing it. We'd have a title sponsor. It would be happening at like five thirty prime time. <laughs> uh, I'd say there's no no chance. Yet um, we just did it again this week, and we'll continue to do it next week and the week after, and it's just become a staple of the show. So, Brian, we'll go into a little bit of Leaf talk here. Um, as you know, uh, more than anyone, uh, the narrative in Toronto, especially with the Leafs, it changes day to day. Uh, today, the narrative seems to be that there was some obviously some positives to take out of uh, last night's overtime loss to Washington, that they showed some grit um, against the Caps and they, they can build on that going forward. Are you one for moral victories or are you still are you a little concerned about this Leafs team and their play through the first 14 games? I'm selective with moral victories, but I, I don't apply them to a team that that believes it's a cup contender in October. Mm-hmm. No, I, I quite frankly would shoot those down and shoot them down quickly. And I think there's been too much of that over the past 24 hours uh, as if sticking up for yourself is something that should be applauded. I mean, yeah. it should be expected um, and showing some bites and going out there and playing with some energy, again, is something that should be applauded. It, it should be expected. So, no, I, I don't buy into the moral victories Um I think the Leafs have it has not been not been a positive October. I mean, it's it's been an ugly October. They've had injury problems. They've had a difficult schedule. But the fact is, they've been flat far too often. And these aren't excuses, but there are some explanations. I mean, it's been a significant uh, roster turnover. Um, they had a tumultuous offseason in camp with the Marner stuff, the Matthews stuff. Uh, the captaincy and that kind of lingering, and then them deciding to go with Tavares, and then he gets injured pretty early into the season. So I, I can't say looking back on it, it, it's completely unexpected. I also don't think they're alone. I mean, mm-hmm. Tampa's really been struggling early in the year. Montreal has not been very impressive. Uh, Winnipeg, Calgary, San Jose, there's other teams that had high expectations that have not gotten off to a great start. 
So it's it's still way too early in the season uh, for people to be freaking out. But mm-hmm. at the same time, that's what we do in Toronto, <laughs> and we live and die by every game. And I think that's what makes it such a passionate fan base and such a great hockey city. But um, they've got to be way more consistent. You know, I think they they deserve the heat that they've been receiving. Um, and until they play better, and until they prove that it is their time, something they kept saying consistently throughout camp, you know, it's just it's just uh, selling wolf tickets at this point, man. You gotta you gotta follow through, and we'll see what happens when when Tavares returns and Hyman returns, and the schedule lightens up a little bit. I'm still a believer in the team. I still think they're going to be a playoff team. I think they have the capability of being a very good team, but. Um, until they prove it consistently, you know, I understand why some people are going to debate that. Last question here, Brian. Um, Brian G and of Brian G and I, sorry, we love uh, we love talking about infamous ex Leafs, and we usually talk about players who had like a short tenure with the team or players that were complete. I guess you can say grit grinders, as you guys refer to them on Overdrive. Uh, do you have a? F- a favorite infamous ex leaf, a, a name that you just say out loud and just laugh. Like we have some examples for you. Like Clark Will, like Clark- <laughs> or like Robert Shvela, like those kind of guys. Yeah. Those are two quality ones. I, I, I usually go back even further into like the nineties. And like, you look at a guy like Ken Baumgartner, the bomb, who was just, he was tough as nails. And I, I remember seeing one of his goals. He scored like two goals a whole year and went like off his shoulder and in. And this guy celebrated like he had won the cup. It was the greatest celebration from a guy who was truly tough as nails. Uh, I think of a guy like Randy Wood, who's just such a random American player that played here in the 90s. His his son, Miles Wood, is playing in the league. Um, Those are the kind of, like, strange references that I think of, um, you know, Lonnie Bahanas and guys like that back in the 90s. I don't know why it sticks out just a little bit more for me. Um, but make no mistake, I mean, that, that decade between playoff appearances from whatever it was, 03, 04, up until 2012, 2013, there will be a long list of players. When someone writes that book, that decade of just disaster, um, the amount of players, the amount of guys that came and went, uh, it, 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 I'd love to read that book because it really would be incredible to think of some of the names and then you just stop and say, I, I can't believe they were Maple Leafs. Like, yeah. I can't, I, I can, cause I remember seeing them play, but, um, that's something we like doing every once in a while on our show as well. Just random grit grinding. <laughs> you gotta be a diehard to remember type leaf references. Absolutely. There've been some dark days. I know Anthony said last question. I had one more I wanted to squeeze in and then Anthony's going to close out. Um, I just wanted to ask, what the fan interaction's been like for you? Like, are you ever tired of fans on the, of the show constantly come up, coming up to you at Leaf games for a stop and chat, as you say, or guys like me annoying you on Twitter with DMs about coming on our show? <laughs> Does that ever get old? No, never, never, man. I, I, um, I really, it's really gratifying to, to come across people that are willing to, you know, give up their time to to listen to us. You know, it, it's it's still almost surprising and i i really enjoy it i mean um again i'm lucky to do what i do i'm so lucky to to be on the show that i'm on to work for the company that i work for to be in a company that i'm constantly in with oh and noodles and the grappler and mullen and steph and um all the people behind the scenes like it's it's a really um you know i don't lose sight of that and whenever i i get the opportunity to interact with anyone that that's into the show 
Um, and especially when you come across like a diehard that'll drop a funny reference from a show that I don't even remember. Uh, it's really, really cool. And um, I wish I had more time for, you know, Twitter interaction and all that kind of stuff. But now I'm married. I got two kids. <laughs> yeah, I can't do it like I used to. I mean, 10 years ago, I'd, I'd go on, you know, Twitter, just 45 responses with one person that, <laughs> It's got like an egg avatar. Like, what am I doing? It's Saturday night at eleven eleven p.m. and you know, so I don't I don't have the time for that anymore. But anytime anyone uh, ever wants to stop and chat, talk about the Leafs or the Jays or Raptors or show or whatever, uh, I'm I'm all I'm all for that. Brian, one of the reasons Overdrive is the best show on radio is because you guys are knowledgeable, entertaining, funny, like I said, but you make everyone listening feel like they're one of the guys and just part of the conversation. So thank you for making that personal connection uh, with your audience every day, and especially today since you were kind enough to do this interview with us. Uh, We appreciate your time and uh, hope to do this again sometime. All right, boys. Anthony, Brian, I really appreciate it. Keep up the good work, and uh, we'll chat down the road. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much. Talk to you later. Hazy B, everybody. Awesome. True professional. Incredible, incredible guy. That was awesome. Hazy B. Brian Hayes, the captain of Overdrive. Just joined us. Just joined us. We're talking him. No, and like I mentioned there, I had interviewed him for a school project back in October 2014, so almost exactly five years ago. Yeah. Super nice guy then, even greater guy now. So still, even though he's you know on that number one show, he's on Overdrive, he's the lead of that, he still makes time for, for guys like us. I know? love how they, as well, do their own form of infamous ex-Leafs. Yeah. It's yeah. just fun. It's To talk about like gritty old players they used to play on this team, it's just hilarious. But that's, he said it. That's how you know you're a fan. Yeah. When you can just, on the spot, think of these random Leafs that used to play on the team. Yeah. No, I was... That was fun. He took us through his his um, his intro into broadcasting, and you know he said he got started at the score. Yeah, kept which was popular. Push, yeah, trying to push an intern, and eventually ended up producing um, a couple of shows as well. And then he did yeah. Leafs lunch for quite a while, and then eventually, like I had stated in that interview a while ago, he said his end goal was to get in one of those primetime slots. Yep. And now look at him. Now look at him. Look at us. Hey, look, look at, at us. Hey, if for those of you, you, you didn't see that meme, did you? No, I the haven't. Paul. Ra- <laughs> <laughs> I'll show you after the show okay. to give you some more context on it, but you'll laugh once you see it. No, it's the Paul Red meme. He's on the hot, he's on that Hot Wings gotcha. show. It's on YouTube. Yeah, and he just I don't know. He looks at the interview and he says, "Hey, look at us." I'll have to look at that. Yeah, it's funny. Do you remember that video from a while ago on YouTube? It was like that guy looking at cars. Before you go with that, ask me if I ever thought that we would have interviewed Brian Hayes before. Did you ever think we'd interview Brian Hayes? Not me. It goes with the meme. Okay, go ahead. Jeez. <laughs> I'm just going to stop. <laughs> meme hour on 93.3 CFMU. You'll see, what, you'll see what I mean after. We can easily make a meme of just our interview with Brian Hayes and this Paul Rudd meme that's just on fire. You know what we didn't do without plug out here? Plug. So you You're listening saying- to 93.3 CFMU. And that's, that's my plug. I mean, we, the plug guy's not here, so. You can catch us on Twitter. Yeah, get Twitter. You can catch the show every Monday morning, 9.30 a.m. on 93.3, or listen live on cfmu.ca. Look at us. I, okay, <laughs> honestly, maybe at 10 o'clock on CFMU, you, you can get Anthony's meme hour. Anthony will discuss the greatest memes of the week. Or the best gravy of the week. 
That was a good uh, a good topic too, actually. What were you going to say before I rudely interrupt you with my Paul Rudd? I got off I, oh, I was just going to say that for those of you, obviously, who maybe don't work in radio, you don't know how difficult it is sometimes to get the system set up. Yeah. We were struggling. Oof, if only you guys knew. Before we said we were scheduled to have that call with Hayes. We had to push that back a little while because we just could not figure out this board. Someone tweaked with it. That was I, it. I've never seen you so pissed. I was angry. <laughs> I was so mad. It's been so flawless since we've started here. This is the only time for our biggest guest yeah. that we could not get these systems to work. Well, and, we, and we've had some big ones that we've done over the past month, but we've never we've never came across the mic issues like we did tonight. Actually, we did with John Tavares, where it sounded like we were on another planet interviewing from Mars, and it yeah. sounded like a UFO. That was a problem today, but we figured it out like true professionals. We're good. Like true professionals here on CFMU, the true professionals that we are. And these true professionals uh, got to wrap up uh, because our time here is almost done. I hope you guys enjoyed the interview. Quick thought on the Leafs before we wrap up. Exactly what Hayes said. They, yeah. just, they need more grit. They need to, to push through. They, they should be a playoff team. That's the end goal. We'll see where they get. They better start winning some games, buddy. This is a team with high expectations and uh, right now not looking too good. All right, guys. Thanks for joining us. Thanks to Brian Hayes. You can also catch him 4-7 on TSN 1050 and online tsn.ca. We'll see you guys next week. We got the plug guy back in the studio for the second half of Purposely Offside, which is always uh, the podcast, a little bit of Leafs talk, a little bit of sports talk. Hope you guys enjoyed the interview with Brian Hayes. He's always so knowledgeable, um, always a good laugh, always entertaining, just like the show, just like Overdrive. So hope I hope everyone enjoyed that. Too bad you couldn't make it for the interview with uh, with Hayes, but you're here. You're here now. I'm here, and Brian G tapped out. So we kind of yeah. kind of switched spots here, man. Just kind of switched spots, and we're gonna break down some of the Leafs, the Leafs action, uh, which hasn't been too, you know, appealing to say the least. But uh, he's he's just sounds like such a good dude. He's a great like, dude. Just listening to that interview before oh, yeah. we even um, got into the studio here to record the pod, and you know, the guy just just sounds like a natural guy. He just he did, sounds like it's effortless for those guys whenever you hear them on overdrive. And that's, you know, that's the mark of, you know, either a true professional or just a really good host. Somebody who just lets it flow. Yeah. They're my favorite show Yeah, exactly. on the radio. You know, if you, <laughs> if you've never listened to overdrive, uh, give it a listen. It's, it's quite entertaining. I don't know if you heard their, uh, they, heard, they had this great discussion. Um, I believe it was on Friday about, who would the Raptors respect more down the road? Like, who would get a bigger ovation? It was heated. And, and I don't know, like, our interview with Hayes, we talked about just how heated they get. 
in, in certain debates. And this argument got so heated. So I think Hayes was arguing that. So, so this that, is between DeMar and Kawhi? Yeah, in, between DeMar and Kawhi. Like who would get the standing ovation maybe 20 years from now? Who would get a bigger standing ovation? Will one. it be DeMar DeRozan or will it be Kawhi Leonard? And I think Hayes was arguing, well, because DeRozan was the guy who laid the foundation and was and was um, committed to the organization and and didn't want to leave, he'll be the more respected one that gets the standing O. And O'Neal's like, are you nuts? No, I disagree. It's Kawhi. He could brought you a championship. Yeah. And it was just, it was amazing because they're comparing Kawhi Leonard. <laughs> they're comparing Kawhi Leonard and DeMar DeRozan to like the girlfriend, a dad, uh, the girl, no, sorry, the boyfriend, uh, a dad would want for his daughter. And Kawhi's like the bad boy with, with the cottage in Muskoka. And DeMar DeRozan oh, is like, is like the nice guy. <laughs> it was gold. Oh, you got to gotta listen to it's, it. That's a tough one because I think they both would be celebrated. Obviously, they, they both accomplished a lot. Uh, DeMar obviously had the more lengthy uh, time spent in Toronto, but Kawhi had an, an immediate impact. Yeah. Obviously, winning a ship, winning finals, MVP, taking down the Warriors. So I think at the end of the day, both of them will get their respect. Both of them will get their ovation, whatever the the respect they deserve. But Absolutely. if you're if you're gonna judge it based on impact, hands down has to be Kawhi. It's gotta be Kawhi. Hands down. It's gotta he be wins Kawhi. you a ship. He comes in in one year, takes a ship and leaves. Doesn't matter how how he came and went. He brings you a championship. There's your winner right there. So speaking of ships, um, our Toronto Maple Leafs. This is supposed to be the year where. Um, they're gonna. They're, they want to get prepared for a deep playoff run, potentially. Uh, you know, a, a championship. Um, so let's break down the action because right now I think we can both agree uh, this doesn't look like a championship team. No, they're they're struggling mightily. I mean, their record might might say otherwise. I mean, they're they're above five hundred, but they definitely don't look like a team that is deserving of that record. Looking through the first right now, fifteen games. Seven five and three, hell, I'll take it for the way this team has been playing. It could be much worse. It could it could much, be much, much worse. worse. Right now they sit uh, fourth in the Atlantic. They're sitting at uh, seventeen points. Florida has played one less game than them, but they have one more point than Toronto. But like I said, the lackluster play of of the, of the Toronto Maple Leafs, they could be in a way worse spot than they are right now. Yeah, you you can say what you, you can say what you want about like their October schedule. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about it before that, you know, they, they did have a, a tough go last they month. They did. But, I mean, you look at the, we always go back to, look at the star power in the team, look at the contracts. This is a team that should be playing well above how they're playing now. And they, they've they really, I think the only reason why that they snuck by and they're above 500 is because they got a few lucky breaks. Last night against Philly, you know, you win a win a brutal shootout. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were watching. And we caught the tail end of that game, and like that shootout was atrocious. Probably one of the worst shootouts I've ever seen. Well, we're we're a Jason Spezza. Well, no, Jason Spezza goal to keep that shootout going. I bet you were ripping this team even more than we're probably going to today. And and there, there were probably there's probably going to be a there, there would have been a firestorm maybe if they lost that game to Philly because that's obviously a game they. Or expecting the win, especially you know, going against a Philly team that didn't make the playoffs last year. Clearly, the Leafs have a better roster on paper, uh, which seems to be the theme this year. They have, they have they do have a good roster on paper, but it doesn't translate onto the 
onto the ice. But yeah, they they got, they got through that game by the skin of their teeth. And this is a team that's playing, like you mentioned before we started the show, very average hockey. Just look at the um, guys that are contributing on the score sheet. Like, yeah. You know, look at, look at last night, Kappen and Spezza. Marner snuck one in late. And then you look at the shootout, you got guys like Spezza and, and Andreas Janssen who have to Step know, carry up. the team to a win. And, you know, again and again, we're saying, you know, where are the, where are the studs in this team? I feel like we've been saying that for a while now, right? What, what's Austin Matthews been doing the last yeah. few games? Like, he's been very quiet. You look at this top of the stat sheet for the game against the Flyers on Saturday night. Captain, one goal, one assist, plus two. Jason Spezza, best goal or best, sorry, uh, game as a Maple Leaf. One goal, one assist, a plus one. And he had the shootout goal that kept the uh, the Leafs alive. And then you have Marner with the wraparound goal. But yeah, you're right. Where's Matthews? Um, well, Matthews had a three-point night against uh, the Washington Capitals. But where's Nylander? Where's, um, you know, where's Tyson Berry? Where's... Um, Morgan Riley, and it seems like it seems like these uh, these stars for the Leafs just haven't been able to all be consistent at the same time. And I don't, I don't know if you'll ever find that during a season, but it seems like a lot of these guys have their games where okay, Matthews comes in, gets three goals, but then he'll disappear on a night against Philadelphia and go for zero. And then Marner, you know, he'll get a goal last night, and then he'll disappear for a couple games. And it seems like all of them have had their games where they've shown up for that one game and then have taken the next maybe three off. And that's translated into some pretty average hockey for this for this team. We didn't see it last year. Like, they opened the season, they're on fire. I mean, you know, all lines were going. Their power play was ridiculous. And then all of a sudden, they all just, you know, shut it down. And they were ghosting. Now it's, it's a little different this year. You're seeing a team that's just – they're just playing inconsistent on all fronts. Like they're getting inconsistent goaltending. Their penalty, which we were talking earlier, their penalty kill is atrocious. Atrocious right now. They're taking dumb penalties, undisciplined penalties. Combine that with their atrocious penalty kill, and they're falling behind in games easily. You know, it seems like calls aren't going their way. Mm-hmm. They're getting frustrated. Clearly, that shows Babcock's getting frustrated. Yeah. Their power play is just stale. The power play. It's just, it's just a team that just has, like like Babcock said, just doesn't know who they are right now. They don't know who they, they, don't know who they are right now because they're supposed to be a skilled team who, they're, they were supposed to be that team that would light everyone up on the power play, but you could argue the game against uh, Washington, which they lost 4-3 in overtime, they single-handedly lost because they couldn't convert on the power play. Um, so they're having trouble scoring on the power play. They're 18th in the league right now. When it comes to uh, the power play, only 18.8%. That's 18.8% on the power play. Not good enough. They went, what, one for eight against the Washington Capitals? Brutal. And and then you factor in their lack of discipline. They're just taking penalties left, right, and center. Like, what's what's going on with this team? I feel like they're always in the box. Always. Yeah, and you got guys like like veteran players like Spezza and stuff taking costly penalties. Marner has this, like, knack of just, like, taking ridiculous penalties at just the, the dumbest times in games, overtimes, mm-hmm. things like that. Like that that's just undisciplined hockey and it's unacceptable, especially yeah. for guys who are getting paid this much and, and and guys who are supposed to be veterans on your team. Yeah. So that that's just a discipline thing that I think the coach has to step in and sort of um iron out. You know, iron out right yep. away or this this is gonna be a pr- a big problem for them going into the rest of the season. Well you're not gonna go very far when you're taking a lot of penalties and being undisciplined and you're twenty fourth in the league in killing penalties. And that's what the Leafs are right now. Twenty fourth in the league in killing penalties 
they're only killing off 75.9% of their power plays right now. To scale that to the top team in the league uh, in terms of uh, the penalty kill, the San Jose Sharks are at the top of the league um, with 89.6%. So they got to get better on the penalty kill because they're taking a lot of penalties or just take less penalties, be more disciplined. Um, and, and they got to, like they have such even even with Tavares not in the lineup, they have too much skill not to be able to convert on their power plays. When you watch their power play, though, do you find it's too predictable still? Oh, yeah. Way too predictable. Mm-hmm. Well, first off, they're not getting shots from the point. Yeah. Everybody in the entire stadium, everybody watching the game knows they're trying to set up Matthews. Mm-hmm. Like, it's the same thing. With, like, okay, when you watch like a team like Washington – and you, you know exactly what a team like Washington is going to do. But they have Alexander Ovechkin on the other line, who's a, a, just a bona fide sniper. Yeah. And and Austin Matthews is the same type of player. Exactly. But, and they, you know, when I watch the Leafs and their power play, it, it reminds me a lot of Washington. Mm-hmm. They're, they, you know, they got the one-timer from the hash marks, yeah. But for some reason, I just feel like they just set up so slowly. Yeah. Entering entering their end, and just and I think uh, Joe Bowen. I think I was listening to the game the other night. I think against Washington, he he blasted the Leafs, saying they take so much time right off the power play just by en- trying to enter the zone. Yeah, and set up that you you just kill the clock. You're 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 playing penalty. It seems like yourself. it. You know how you know it's how ridiculous. the Leafs have that one line that starts the first minute of the power play, then they quickly switch. I feel like that first minute goes by so. Yeah fast because they take so long and they don't do anything with that minute minute 15 seconds that they have and then all of a sudden the second line unit comes on and which obviously with Tavares out is not as strong as the first line but you're right they take so long to set up they for some reason can't get the point shots through to the net everything gets blocked I feel like they've just I don't think they know what a slap shot is anymore yeah that too they just they could take like know. a half wrister. I, I don't know. I, I don't get it. I don't really see any slap shots anymore. I never. I didn't know we couldn't raise their sticks anymore yeah. in the NHL. It, it's crazy. So a very average team right now, 7-5-3. and three. Got the LA Kings coming up on Tuesday. Let me ask you a question. 7-5-3 and three for average hockey. I would say even below. You could argue this has been below average hockey for, for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Below, aver- below average hockey. Fourth place, in, fourth place. I can't talk right now. Fourth place in the Atlantic. No Tavares, but he's coming back soon. Hyman's coming back soon. Is that a is this a positive that they've played subpar hockey and yet they're still obviously competing for the top three spots in the Atlantic right now? Is that is that a, is that good news? I, th- I think you got to take it mm-hmm. for what it is. I mean, but if you look at the rest of the NHL right now. A lot of, a lot of big teams are struggling. Yeah, Tampa struggling. Montreal uh, struggling. Montreal. I'm looking at teams. I wouldn't even say Montreal struggling though, because I don't know how. Like, what's Pittsburgh, their expectations, right? Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. Columbus. Yeah, the Rangers had high expectations, and they're like bottom feeders at the moment. New Jersey, it looks like a just a, a shit show right now. Um, Look in the West. You got uh, the Jets in first. The Jets are brutal. The Sharks. Yeah, the uh, four ten and one. Yeah, the stars. Like, they got Pavelski this I, year, right? I just think that you know you got a lot of yeah, a lot of turnover on some teams from last year. A lot of new signings. 
Um, a lot of teams, like I said, just like the Leafs are trying to, they're just trying to find themselves at the moment. Some teams have some injuries they're dealing yeah. with. It's just, it's a weird time in the NHL right now. You got a lot of parity early yeah. on. You have a lot of, a lot of teams that are surprising and a lot of teams that are staying consistent. So it's, uh, I think you'll really start to see some change this month as we head into November. Yeah. Especially with the Leafs. I'm, I'm hoping obviously we see that with some injuries, you know, guys coming back. I think they said within the next week or so they'll have a full lineup. And, yeah, and that's yeah, that's a silver lining, right? They the the rest of the league is struggling, and they there's there's help on the way. You're gonna get John Tavares. Getting John Tavares back is really gonna balance out your lineup. And let's face it, this team needs Hyman more than ever because they gotta start they gotta start showing some grit here. It's crazy. Te- teams know how to play the Leafs. Hit them, and they'll be able to shuffle the lineups. And get the lineup set. I guess Babcock would really want. They're gonna have to make some decisions on some roster spots. Mm-hmm. I saw today that they were trying to. They're looking at moving Marinson to. They're like to move Martin Marinson to trade him. Oh yes, they need to trade off. They gotta trade him. Well, they gotta watch, right? Like this team has to clear some cap space. No, not cap space. They have to clear some uh, roster space. Because right now we're at the point where they can't even call up Rasmus Sandin. Or else they're also go over the cap. If they're even planning on it. If they're even planning on it. And that's the thing, right? Like, they got some guys in the lineup like Marincin, like Cody Cece. I'd rather just have Rasmus Sandin in there. I'm I'm already over the Cody Cece yeah, project. Yeah, I know. I, I'm over it, too. <laughs> I think Morgan Riley's over it as well. <laughs> yeah, Mar- well, Morgan Riley seems like he's trying to overcompensate for yeah. Cody Cece. And, and maybe that's taken away from his play this year. Yeah, his, his frustration's clearly evident, and mm-hmm. everyone's like, "Oh, you know, he's he's upset at his own play, and he's not playing that well." No, he's not frustrated at his own play. He knows the yeah. type of player he is. He's frustrated at who he's playing with. Well, they sent Patan that, down, and yeah, yeah, they sent Patan down to the waivers or the through waivers down to the Marlies, and yeah, yeah, they, they got to move. They got to move some bodies. They got to move some bodies here. They are a cap-stricken team. And to be honest, they can't really afford many injuries. And look, Muzzin went down. He went down an injury. I don't know about his return just yet. That's a That was a personal leave. That was a personal leave? Yeah, he's not hurt. Okay, good. Because the Leafs can't afford any, any injuries here because they can potentially go over the cap by calling players up, and that's not exactly the kind of situation you want to, you know, have on your team. But this is the risk they run being so top-heavy with the guys they're giving the big contracts to. But I agree. The Cody CC experiment, I'm not feeling it. No. Not no. feeling it, man. So, I don't know. Good luck moving them, though, because that $4 million cap hit is not going anywhere. I think, would you take Zaitsev right now over over Cody CC? Yes. Mm-hmm. How's everybody feeling about Jake Gardner these days? Because, I, honestly, like, I'll take Jake back in a heartbeat. It's funny because we, I'm not going to say I haven't ripped on Jake Gardner in the past. I have... Definitely been at the forefront of that in a few situations. But I got to say, like, he, after that minus five against Boston two years ago, I thought he had a good comeback year last year. I know he had the back injury. But Jake Gardner, like, you can kind of see the value he had on this Maple Leafs team. I know he's not – I know we still say, oh, Jake Gardner was was irresponsible. He wasn't good defensively. But when you look at what the Leafs are missing this year, and that's a solid guy on the on their second pairing. Because let's face it, uh, Tyson Berry hasn't really been anything special so far. 
they're they're missing that solid uh, puck handler on the second line defense. So I don't know. How, like, I'd take Jake Gardner back right now because I feel like he was a pretty, in terms of offense, he was a pretty consistent player. Yeah, he had his defensive flaws. But tell me one guy in this Maple Leafs team right now that doesn't have defensive flaws. They all do. The in zone coverage is horrible. Their whole team has the, the whole. Problems. That's what I mean. I'm not even just pointing out the defense at this point. Their whole team has in zone defensive uh, coverage problems. And you can throw Marinchin, you can throw CC, you can throw Austin Matthews. Austin, <laughs> you can throw Austin Matthews in there. Um, Marner, even Nylander. You know, this whole team is suffering from defensive coverage coverage issues. So, you know. Maybe we're a little hard hard on Jake Gardner when, um, you know, when really this is a team problem. It seems like because this is this is something that is obviously not new to this season. They've they've even had defensive breakdowns, a lot of defensive breakdowns last year. Moments where they just get hemmed in their own zone, and not much has changed in that sense. So I don't know. I will say I'm I'd take Jake Gardner back. I'm looking forward to November. Looking forward to turn the page with this team, and yeah, uh, like we just said a few seconds ago get some bodies back at a full team and see what this team can actually write the ship here. I, I will say that it's, it's a good thing that if you're going to struggle, you struggle early. And, and that's, that's the positives that we can take from this, right? I mentioned seven, five and three, after you've been playing some average hockey, you'd, you'd probably rather hit a little bit of a cold streak now than later in the season. Like they did last year. Right, so maybe 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 this is a different route to success this year for the Leafs. We always talked about how they peak too early, yeah, and then by the end of the season, they're you know they got a playoff spot locked up. They struggle late, and then they just can't rate the ship before playoffs. A little bit of a different scenario now with this team, where they're struggling early. And then maybe they can write the ship and peak at the right time, right before the playoffs, and maybe go on a bit of a run here. I don't think there's many teams where they've struggled for most of the season. Maybe they make a couple moves and then, you know, that may, that just puts them over to the top and they just start playing good hockey by the time April hits. So I'm really hoping that's the case with this team. A lot of negativity right now revolving this team because obviously we have, we, the the high expectations are high. The money, they gotta be high high as well. The money's high. The expectations are high. Yeah. You got to think there's some sort of win streak coming up here for the team. You had a tough schedule in November, but I mean. Well, you don't have as many back-to-backs as you did or did. Yes, I did in uh, in uh, October. They have a crazy schedule in November, though. They, they play, they're they on the road from November 10th. from So from November 10th to the 29th, they play. I don't think it's a bad thing. Eight of their next nine games on the road. Good, they put better on the road. Which, uh, you know, Joe Bowen and Jim Ralph were talking on the other night, and they're talking about how brutal the schedule that is. And I'm just sitting there, you know, driving, just thinking in my head. I'm like, that's amazing. I honestly, <laughs> I think this team's look more comfortable because, on the road yeah, this year. I think they're a much better team on the road. Yeah. For some reason, they're more comfortable playing on the road. I think it's just because they have such a dead barn at the Scotiabank Arena. I don't want to say it's a dead barn, but like to be to give. 
and it's I know we rip on Leaf fans a lot for being quiet and you know corporate seats and not wearing the jerseys and not showing up into the back to your seat after the intermission. I know we give uh, Leaf fans a lot of flack, but I got like Leaf the Leafs team has not given them a lot to cheer about this year. There's some times where they play some pretty dull periods, and you know, for you know having such a great roster, you you'd think you'd get. I don't even know if they give him the the, the the crowd a sixty minute effort at Scotiabank this year. I haven't seen I haven't seen a sixty minute effort in any game no. this year. They, they they've given us twenty minute efforts. Look at last night, first period against Philly, they came out flying. They were out shooting them thirteen three or whatever it was. And great first period, but they they ended up going uh, at the intermission tied one one. Or was it, or were they down two one after the first intermission? I don't even no, know. It was one one. Yeah, it was one one after the intermission. Great goal by Kapanen. Great goal by Kapanen. Nasty. Great, um, great start for the Leafs against Philadelphia on Saturday night, and they outshoot the Flyers. Start out great, but they end up fin- they finish the game being outshot forty to twenty six. This is a team that has either started off well in games, or maybe they've had a good third period like they did against Washington, but they haven't put together that sixty minute effort yet. Or they come out and have a commanding lead and blow it. Well, yeah. Like we've seen yeah, no, many I, times. I, I don't trust them locking down a lead. No. I think that was the problem in Washington, against Washington too, right? They they had a 3-2 lead. Remember Matthews put them up on the power play. Obviously, it was too much to ask to, to lock that lead down. But Washington tied it and then and then wins in overtime. But 60-minute effort hasn't been there. You know who has had 60-minute efforts consistently this season? The Boston Bruins. The Boston Bruins have one regulation loss on the season. Yeah, they're on fire. Right they're on fire. That's a team that is pissed off. You lose game seven, Stanley Cup final, and you know, you retain most of your team from last year. They're they're a team that wants to go out and just win it all this year. They're they're pissed off about losing at home. So why seven. what <laughs> don't don't the shouldn't the Leafs feel like that? No, because they haven't smelt success yet, and they haven't smelt a big enough failure like losing a Stanley Cup. First round. But they've uh, had some pretty, like, the failure. They, they fail yeah. in the first round. But a first round out is a way different feeling than losing the Stanley Cup in your home ice. But your expectations are supposed to be a, you're supposed to be a Stanley Cup contender. And I think you just nailed it. Like, you, the Boston Bruins are hungry. Yeah. They want to get after it. They're hungry. Have you seen any hunger from the Leafs? Zero. Do they look hungry to you at all? Zero, no, not at all. They don't look. They don't look hungry to me. And and it's frustrating watching them sometimes because they're they're such a good team. And and you always see like they're all, people are always talking about they're so skilled. Oh, they're very skilled. They're such a skilled group. Yeah, they're so skilled, but they're not peace and wins together. Like, wh- I don't They're even. I don't, I'm not even seeing some nice creative plays. They're a skilled team individually, but you know the game of hockey is team success, not individual. And that and that and that goes back to a Sportsnet article that was released this past weekend. Obviously, you saw the Svechnikov, Car- Carolina's Svechnikov uh, lacrosse type goal. Yeah, nasty. And then you had a Sportsnet article that came out, which said. Maple Leaf players believe Austin Matthews could be the next one to score a lacrosse-type goal. 
Who cares? Go win a game. Go win games. I don't care about lacrosse type goal. I don't care about individual success, individual flash. Go win games. That's all I care about. That's all that's all fans care about. And it's all this market cares about is winning. We're in win mode. Every other Toronto franchise is doing it. TFC's in the final next week against Seattle. There's a team that knows how to win. Forge FC. Forge FC. FC. Hamilton hey. shout out. Hey, congratulations, Forge FC. Championship. The Raptors. Championship. You know what all those teams did? They were hungry to win. They wanted to win. They fought. They played with heart determination. If the Leafs want to win a cup, they better change their attitude quickly because right now it seems it's a lot of me, 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 me. I want my contract. I want my money. I want to score nice goals. I want to score on the power play. I'm not getting enough playing time. I want more playing time. How about just doing what's necessary to win? And you got to build that mentality throughout the season. You can't just turn it on later in the season. You got to start now. You got to start getting into those good habits now. Did we talk about Ovi's comments? Well, no, we didn't talk about Ovi's comments. Okay. What did you think of Ovi's co- Alexander Ovechkin's comments? We'll give context first. I'm sure everyone heard Alexander Ovechkin's comments last week about the Toronto Maple Leafs just saying that they have to play differently in order to win, in order to win a championship, in order to be a, a championship organization. He's they have to play for the team, not themselves. The Which... If you're sitting back, whether you're a fan of either team, you're saying, this is Alexander Ovechkin saying this? The guy who spent, you know, 95% of his career being the me player, just the sniper that only could score goals, who couldn't play defense, only, you know, scored, you know, hundreds of goals in the power play. And, you know, now this guy comes out after winning a cup saying, oh, no, you know. If you want to win a cup, you got to play as a team. That's what winning does, though, right? When, and when that's you what win, maturity also does as well. Like it took yeah. him that long, and he's saying, "Why, why aren't we winning cups? Look at the team we have: Backstrom, Holtby, Carlson, Ovechkin, Kuznetsov. Like all of these. Why aren't we winning cups?" And then yeah. all of a sudden, they turned around and said, "Oh, you know what? Because we actually have to play together. We have to play as a team. We have to stop being these these." Yeah, flashy goal scores, and we actually need to buckle down and, and be a good hockey. And who knows if that was actually his mentality, though? Like he he could have just been on a really good team that year, which he was. Right, Washington was a good team. There's a lot of good players on that team. T.J. Oshie, Braden Holpe. Sometimes to win a championship, things just got to come together, right? And whatever it came together for the Capitals that year, and obviously Ovechkin's one of the the best goal scorer of all time. So who knows if he actually like thinks that way now? I don't know. Do we have any proof to, to do we have any proof that says, oh, Alexander Ovechkin has changed and is not selfish anymore, and that's why they won a cup? I, I don't know if I agree with that. I don't watch the Caps enough, right. obviously, unless they're playing the Leafs, but they're watching highlights. I think he's just a really good player. I, they were a really good team, and they won a cup. Any, I don't see any difference in his yeah. game at all. No, I, so I don't I, see him killing penalties. No. I think Ovechkin is, obviously he's matured, but he's still a player that likes to get goals, that likes to score, that is a little bit of a, about a, a little bit of a me player. But obviously with maturity, you know, comes more wisdom. But I think when you, when you win a cup, when you win a championship, you can give that sort of advice. If he didn't win a championship, you can be like, Ovi, what the hell are you talking about? You haven't even won a cup yet. How do you know what it takes to win? But whether Ovechkin is still selfish or not, 
when you win a cup, it doesn't matter. You've done it. You won it. It's the hardest championship to win, the Stanley Cup. You did it. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't have a problem with him calling out the, the Leafs because, honestly, I think he said what everybody was thinking. I have a problem with it only because it didn't come from someone within the Leafs organization. Yeah, I agree. That's what bothered me. Everyone, because you watch the comments after the game and they went to Matthews and Babcock and they're like, you know, Austin, what'd you think of Alex Ovechkin's comments? And he's like, well, I wasn't really paying attention to them. I don't, I don't really care. Well, and he said, uh, yeah. how, how many times did they get ousted by Pittsburgh yeah. in the first round? Like that, that's what, that's what you say. That's the first thing that comes out of your mouth is, oh, I don't really pay attention to it. You yeah. should. You guys are playing like crap. Mm-hmm. And you got a guy here who's arguably one of the greatest players of all time saying, this is what you guys need to do to win a cup. Yeah. And you're sitting there like, oh, don't worry about it. You know, they got eliminated a bunch of times by Pittsburgh, who also went on to win cups. So right. you better take some notes. Because yeah. you got a guy literally t- smack dab in the face telling you, this is how you win. I went through this for years. Yeah. I didn't win time after time. Mm-hmm. And then I finally sat back and said, okay, this is how we're going to win a cup. And we didn't win a cup. Yeah. I don't care if people are mad that Ovechkin said that or not, he's 100% right. And I'm totally okay with the comments, but you're right. It should have, this has to come from someone within the organization. I'm sure Babcock was loving these comments made by Ovechkin, you know? So I thought he was bang on. I had no problem with the comments. And I think once you, once you win a championship, once you're there, once you're once you're considered a champion, you can say these kind of things. It sort of opens you up to being more op- like vocal about yeah, other teams. And exactly. Of- now, like I said, whether he whether he's still a selfish player or not, because you know people in the media they, they like to fit the narrative with the story, right? Caps win a cup, so now it's like Ovechkin has changed. And that's why they want to cut. Well, no, he's probably just a really good player on a good team. But whether that's the case or not, when you win, you have the freedom to say those kind of things. Because you won. That's what winning does. That's what's so great about winning. That's why people respect winners. That's why people respect Kawhi Leonard. That's why I think Jeff O'Neill was right when he says, who will receive the greatest, the better ovation? In 20 years down the road, Kawhi Leonard or DeMar DeRozan? Kawhi Leonard, because he won. There's so much merit in winning, and people listen to winners. And when winners speak, you should you should listen. And I think the Leafs should listen to everything Alexander Ovechkin says, because he's right. And he said everything that me and you were thinking, and I'm sure a lot of other Leaf fans were thinking. So, yeah. I just find it interesting that we always hear this from other players and other teams, but you never hear it from within the organization. And I'm just kind of repeating myself, but that's the one thing that frustrates me with these guys as they just show that they're either, you know, too censored is not the right word. They're too closed off, Mm -hmm. I guess. And I, and I know obviously with how hostile it is and like all the issues they used to have back in the day with between the media and their interaction with their team, but it's gone to this point, but you know, you it's okay to come out and say like we're not playing well we need to play better show some accountability when you're when you're closed off and saying well i'm not listening to the outsiders yeah. i'm not really listening to what's inside our locker room and we're really listening to what's coming from our coach like 
you're just you're showing that you're showing that you're being stubborn. Yeah. You know, everything that you know, the media has put this coach on blast all year for being stubborn, not changing her ways. Well, yeah. The 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 team is showing that they're like being groomed yeah. into you know, the Mike Babcock show. Yeah. Yeah. They're showing a complete lack of accountability. The team is. The team is. The players are. Absolutely. The players are. They're not showing accountability. They're not owning up to mistakes. They're not showing any sort of, I don't want to say respect to other players, but yeah, it kind of seemed like it was a little bit disrespectful to sort of like, you know, shy away from the comments that Oveshkin mentioned the other day. But I didn't have anything, I didn't have a problem with Matthews' response. I get what he's trying to say. I know what he's trying to say. But. Because, I mean. Own up to it. Another guy makes comments about your team. You're almost th- it's almost like throwing shade in a way. I, I, and Matthew's kind of deflected that. So I don't have any problems with what Matthew said. I think what me and you have a problem is, is that no one within the organization said this. Yeah. But the, right, their captain's not in the lineup right now. Maybe, maybe when the captain comes back in and hopefully they start winning and they don't have to deal with addressing the lack of um, – the lack of success and the lack of effort in some of these games. So hopefully when Travaris comes back it's and Hyman comes back, it's it's positives. It's about winning and they get back on the right track. But yeah, if, if this continues, then, you know, do you think Tavares has, has got to be the one to say this, right? He's got to be the one to call it the team. He's the captain, right? So we'll see. It's, uh, it's a big week coming up for Toronto. They have LA in town. On Tuesday night, they have the Las Vegas Golden Knights on Thursday. And then on Saturday night, the Flyers actually come back and play in Toronto. So big uh, big week for the Leafs. Three winnable games, I think. Big positive, no back-to-backs this week. No back-to-backs. But Got to win all three. The, the backup goalie, you know, we'll see if that's an issue continuing um, into the season. But... The bottom line is these players got to be better. They got to be more accountable for their actions. And I'm sorry, you got to play to your contract. You got to play to your contract. That's the the theme of the season, right? You got to play to your contract. You can't not show up during games. So I and I know this team's facing a lot of criticism, but that's what happens when you demand big money before you win. And you know, Dubis has really he really put some trust in these players by giving them the contracts that they got. Right? It's like what they say, more mo money, more problems. Mo mo- yeah, more money, more problems, man. Right? And whether that's whether that's hindering, you know, the the star player's success, I guess that's something we just gotta evaluate throughout the season. Right? But look at Marner. He's got seventeen points. That's not too bad. He's leading the team in points. But we can both agree that there's something different with him. He hasn't looked as dominant as he did last year. Maybe that's because he doesn't have Hyman. Maybe that he doesn't have uh, Tavares. But when you get paid $10.89 million, it doesn't matter who's on your line. you got to stand out because Pasternak stands out every night. Braden Point stands out every night. Sidney Crosby, Nathan McKinnon stands out every night. And these are guys that Marner's getting paid more than. Speaking of contracts, Leon Dreisaitl. Oh, the Leon Dreisaitl. Talk about a player. The guy's a beauty. Best saying, pl- he's the best player in the league right now. He's the best player in the NHL right. at the moment. He is. And Matthews can be that. And Marner can be that. And Marner was, at certain points last season, the best player in the league. 
many people were trashing the dry settle contract. They thought it was ridiculous that he was getting that money, and now look what's happened. I thought he's, he's always been a great player. He's out playing his contract. I think that's what the Leafs are sort of hoping with Marner, that eventually we're looking at you know not only year one, but year two, year three, eventually year four, he's completely out playing that we'll contract, see. and that's the hope, especially that's with the cap going up. Something hopefully. we'll have to see in time for sure. Now, I, why I think this week is big, because I, I obviously the L.A.'s struggling. The, the Los Angeles Kings are struggling. Um, so they got the Leafs got them, like I said, on Tuesday. The Kings are 5-9. and nine. That should be a winnable game. Um, I really can't wait to see the Leafs uh, take on the Golden Knights because I think the Golden Knights are they're one of those hard-nosed, hard-hitting playoff teams. They're gritty. Let's see how the Leafs... That's, an, that's a very, very intriguing matchup for me. Thursday at home against the Golden Knights. And... A very winnable game at home against Philadelphia on Saturday. So I think 3-0 and is very, very possible this week. At worst, this team should be going 2-1 and this week. Two wins, one loss. At the very, very worst. So there's high expectations going into this week. And I think this is the type of week that can maybe turn around your season. Did they, did they say when Hyman could be back? Uh, not, I don't, I don't think it might be the end of this week. They said Tavares could be back as early as Tuesday, Tuesday. against the Kings. Um, I can't believe we were, we want Hyman back so badly, but three home games this week, three, and zero is very, very possible. Yeah. I'll take it to, I'll take two and one, but this is a season. This is a good stretch, right? You, like you mentioned, no back to backs this week. This is a stretch where, the Leafs can turn their season around. Let's get some wins. Because, like you, what did you, you, what did you mention to me before the show? Oh, just uh, in terms of their inconsistency, and like if you want to, if you want a good measuring stick on how, you know, how this team's faring this year. We're, we're looking at the Leafs, um, Leafs schedule so far and their record. And I mentioned like an interesting, interesting stat is that they haven't won more than two games this year in a row and they haven't lost more than two games in a row yeah you know take aside from you know some overtime losses or you know shootouts or whatever but um so let's turn it around turn it around turn it around this week you got three games going to three game win streak they got a back-to-back this weekend though they play saturday sunday uh, chicago sunday again chicago is not the chicago of years past Definitely be a winnable game. You're getting bodies back. You're getting your studs back. We see this as a week where this team could really start turning the season I think around. So. And they actually need to in a, in a quick hurry or else, you know. Well, December, like, like you January. said, there's a, there's a lot of parity. And you can't afford to lose two, three games in a row. Or you can get behind the eight ball really quickly. Yep. And this is a team that has to, one, start scoring on the power play. Number two, start killing penalties. And more. most importantly, number three, keep the puck out of your goddamn net. The Leafs are 10th in the league in goals against right now. 10th. 10th in goals against. 3.40 goals against. They got to start keeping the puck out of their net. I thought it'd be worse. No. Well, 10th for a team that's competing or that wants to compete for a Stanley Cup. 
you got to keep the puck out of your own. They're only a plus one this year, the Toronto Maple Leafs. The 53 goals for, 52 against. They got to start keeping the puck out of the net. And I think a good sign for the Leafs as we start to wrap up the show, a good sign, I don't know if you agree with me here, it looks like Anderson's starting to come around a little bit. He played well last night. I know he let, uh, the he second was goal was a little bit of a softie yeah. against uh, Claude Giroux on Saturday night. But the shootout, you know, he shut it down. Yeah, flashed the glove, made some great saves. I mean, yeah, I mean, the shootout's obviously like a 50-50 matchup. But, I mean, yeah, it showed it. Yep. Definitely one of the more favorable games he's had this year, that's for sure. So let's hope he can turn it around big time. You got to. Time's now. You got you to start, uh, you start separating yourself from the pack, right? There's a lot, lot of competitive teams in the Atlantic Division this year. So this, this, is the, this is a good week to do that. And get a jump before Tampa starts turning it around as well. They got to... You know it's only a matter of time, right? Yeah. So. All right, buddy. We're out of here. Oh, that was a quick uh, f- quick 40 minutes. Time flies when you're bashing the Leafs. Yeah, we're not bashing them. We're just being a little critical. And like, you know, Hayes mentioned in our um, in our interview to begin our podcast here, um, or before our podcast, it's too early. Yeah. It's too early to panic, but let's, tune, let's turn an, over a new leaf here. You know, uh, no pun intended. It's, an, it's the new month. It's November. Let's start to rack up some wins. I think the concern is, can they do it? Because so far the play hasn't been up to expectations, but there's a lot of time to turn it around. And I know, you know, we've been saying it's 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 early, but you can only use that excuse for so long, right? So, all right. Quick plug. Yeah, plugger. Continue to follow us at purposely underscore offside on Instagram and at PO Sports Talk on Twitter. Also want to thank everyone for tuning into our show on 93.3 CFMU, airing Mondays at 9.30 a.m. Want to thank Brian Hayes for joining us this week. Fantastic interview Such a with beauty. Brian G, Anthony D, Sans me. And uh, yeah, continue to follow us online if you have any budding topics no pun intended well i'm sure we'll be having uh, another shout out show as well call out show yeah that, you know i was just gonna, gonna say that, that that got a lot of good reviews uh the call outs yeah, so we'll definitely like um we'll definitely be talking to some leaf fans going forward and getting their opinions um so maybe we'll do that next week maybe we'll get the call outs going and, and and we'll talk to you guys if you want to join us shoot us a quick dm like i mentioned in our uh, social media yeah, just slide there. right in there slide right into our dms call us out and maybe we'll call you out yeah well said buddy all right take it easy guys thanks for listening see ya see you later